This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me. It's podcasts for the weird at heart. You're listening to Keep Screaming, a horror podcast from two best friends dissecting horror movies one by one. My name is Ryan Larson. And my name is B-Bass. Every two weeks, we will bring you a brand new episode where we dissect a slasher film from top to bottom. We will look at the movie as a whole, going over the story, the casting, music choices, go kill by kill, and then rank it on how it succeeds as a slasher film. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at ScreamingCast or by searching Keep Screaming. You can find me at B not B, that's B-E-E, not B-E-A, and Ryan at Ryan Larson. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Castbox, or online at podpeople.me or keepscreaming.com. This week we are dissecting 2019's Black Christmas, directed by Sophia Tacall. But first, our pop culture check-in. For new listeners, our pop culture check-in is a chance for you to get to know what we've been watching, reading, and consuming outside of our movie this week, as well as life updates. Um, so we only had four days in between our last recording and this one. Um, so obviously we saw the movie we're talking about today, which is 2019's Black Christmas. Uh, but we also, B and I, uh, as per usual of our tradition, whether we do it alone or together, um, this year was together, we watched, it was Friday the 13th, so we watched Friday the 13th, our favorite one, which is the 2009 version. I think it was, a. Uh, I went over to B's and we watched it with her husband, Ben, and our friend Derek and my roommate, Bobby, and we were talking about it, and I think at this point it's the one all of us have seen the most. Um, Freddy vs. Jason's pretty high up there for me. I know you just saw that movie for the first time earlier this year, though. No, so it was, it was, it wasn't this year. Sorry, I still, if you listen to our last episode, I have self-diagnosed bronchitis. Self-diagnosed bronchitis. Um, but it's hard for me to talk without coughing um no worries i have health insurance i can't go to the doctor it's fine it's whatever i might be dying but anywho apologies for my cough but yes i saw freddie first jason for the first time like i think it's before i was pregnant but it was recently yeah so like a year and a half two years ago and uh, yeah it's just one of those things that i just hadn't gotten around to but since then We'll we'll say a year and a half. I've seen it now. That was my third time watching it. So, yeah, I've seen that I mean, one a lot. It was the first radar movie I ever saw in theaters. I snuck in to see it, um, and it's one of my favorites. I think it's super cheesy and cornbally, but like in a good, enjoyable, in way. a good way. Yeah, so. which I I enjoy that out of the nightmare movies the most. But yeah, so we watched those to celebrate, and then yeah, like Ryan said. I mean, I watched TV and that's it. Yeah, it was our friend's worked. birthday this weekend, uh, so I guess we technically watched Harry Potter in the background. Sure. I don't know. I hung out with babies all night. That was my that was the best part of my weekend was both the babies in my life were there, so I got to hang out with both of them. So. Yeah, I went back to work. Yeah, Bee's working at Starbucks now. Yeah, she's a partner. I now also make bean water. Yeah, so you know. 
I'm slowly just going to get everyone in. <coughs> I want everyone to have health care. That's, that's why. Yeah, I work at Starbucks so I can fix this cough. Yeah. That's I'll be eligible funny. in August of next year. So, um, you know. It's going to be before that. <laughs> Until then. Uh, um, but, yes, yeah, so our movie, which we did see opening night, which was awesome <laughs> to go be able to go see. I do love being able to see these slasher movies. We got to see, uh, do that with Happy Death Day to You, which was um, cool. And, and the first Halloween. one. Yeah, um, so we've done it with quite a few of them now. So um, Yeah, if it's a slasher that's coming out right now, we're going to go watch it in theaters and then talk about it on here. Yeah, it will always be like the one we cover closest to it. So um, so when Christopher Landon and Michael Kennedy's new movie comes out next year, hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll be able to cover that. Um, but Body swap? I don't think they've named it officially. Oh, that's what they've been hashtagging. Yeah, but, but they still, like they're the... fighting for a name, which... I'm not allowed to say it. Oh, think so. man. Ryan has insider knowledge. Yeah. He knows everybody. But I I do. I have dirt. I have inside baseball. I have to tell me off the air. But, yeah. Um, but our new Black Christmas, I mean, so this is the third one, um, and it is a loose remake, where Black Xmas <laughs> is a very straightforward remake. Um, this one is only tangentially related. Um, the synopsis for this one is Hawthorne College is quieting down for the holidays. One by one, sorority girls on campus are being killed by an unknown stalker. But the killer is about to discover <coughs> that this generation's young women aren't willing to become hapless victims as they mount a fight to the finish. Um, and as we said, it came out... Uh, Friday the 13th of December. Is that what we're it in? Yes. Um, so, five million budget, which is, you know, very on par for a Blum film. Yeah. And so far, box office has made 7.4 and opening weekend. Yeah, it's four in the States and three elsewhere. It's funny because um, Bloody Disgusting ran an article today and it was like, Black Christmas melts at the box office. And I was like, I get the pun. But then Dread Central ran an article and it was like, Black uh, Christmas bombs at the box office. This is not a bomb to me. Um, bombing to me, at least in film terms, means something that had that does drastically less than its budget. Like to me, to be a bomb. Well, that's hard when it's a five million dollar. That's what I'm saying though. though. But like yeah. we've seen it happen because what was that movie? That fucking Zac Efron DJ movie that bombed because it cost like eight and made one. Yeah. Like it happens. It still yeah. happens with low budget movies like yeah. this. But like this is why Blum is successful. Like because they don't put a lot of risk out there. They're going to try and be profitable. They're almost always going to be profitable. Movies like Truth or Dare made $90 million and are highly profitable. So, like, even though it made 7.4, it was below expectations. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Because they were predicting, like, 12 for the end of the weekend. Um, but even if this movie makes 10, it breaks even. So it's hard for it's hard for a movie like this to bomb. Is it possible? Yes. I just think bomb is a strong word. Do I think it was lackluster? Yes. I think it was a disappointing opening weekend but i don't i think bomb is a little harsh um i mean even blum came out and tweeted like it you know less people went out and saw it i actually think it will do end up probably hitting by the end of its run like 15 um because word of mouth has been decent for it um that's a 44 percent on Rotten tomatoes which was actually kind of higher than i thought it was going to be because if you were to exist within the twitter world it's one of two directions and it's either completely hated it or completely loved it um and so and like a lot of the critical like critic twitter i follow was like doesn't really work for me and so i did not expect a 44 percent even on rotten tomato yeah and i saw somebody mention god what movie were they talking about ghostbusters 2016 and they were talking about how it was like 
critically well received, but how if you go and read a lot of those reviews, a lot of those reviews were almost more positive because they were fighting against the negativity. Mm-hmm. Not to say that they didn't enjoy the film or whatever right. it was, but if you actually read the article, it really was like, you know, fanboys shouldn't have shit on this, basically. Right. Um, And like, you know, although it's not great, blah, blah, blah. And so I did see some people painting this film as that already like a lot of people saying uber positive things because they like the message right and they don't want to put down like you know a female fronted film even right. if they didn't necessarily care for it which i i mean i can resonate with right rob hunter who works at film school rejects um posted and i agree with it like i think this is a very good statement um and like I don't necessarily 100% agree with it for this movie, but movies in general. He said bad movies can have good messages. I mm-hmm. think that's a great way to put it. So, um, But the general consensus is better than the 2006 remake, yet not as sharp as the original. This Black Christmas stabs at a timely feminist theme, but mostly hits on familiar pulp. Um, B, what do you think of this poster? So I'm talking about the theatrical poster, not the teaser poster. The teaser poster, if you remember when they dropped that they were doing it, was like the tip of a candy cane sharpened, um, which was great, super fun. It was like, uh, yeah, Friday the 13th, 2019, all of us like, what the fuck? This movie is coming out this year. It's like this summer. Um, This uh, poster is our four main sorority sisters, um, all in black and white, in big pink, like, holiday font, it says Merry Christmas. Um, in, like, a script font that they've also, like, done symbols to replace some of the letters, like a snowflake and a candy cane. Um, very holiday-esque. And then, actually, at the bottom, below the girl's feet, is the title of the film in white. Um, and the tagline is, uh, Slay Girls. Um, a little pun. This poster is okay. Um, so it's black and white, and then it's it does things on this poster that I also don't like about what's in this movie. Um, but, you know, I get they're trying to play, like... It's a little tonally inconsistent, right? Yeah, and it's just like, hey, this movie has girls in it. It's pink. And it, I don't love that. Um, it's, should have been, you know, maybe red or green or blue or something more in tone with like the holidays. I just don't think the pink really makes any sense. Um, we obviously know there are women in the movie. Um, and it also makes it look like, I wouldn't look at this and think of it as a horror movie. It, it, it looks like a... Like a punk neo-action movie. Like, yeah, like a, one of those trendy, like, comedy action movies that are out right now, where it's, like, really... Uh, I'm thinking of, like, a specific movie, but... Um, what was that movie where... I can't even describe it. My brain will not work. It'll come to me, and I'll mention it later. But a different movie where... It looks like Suicide Squad. It does. Yeah. The poster looks like Suicide Squad, for sure. But, like, in that vein, uh, it doesn't say horror, even though they've got, like, weapons in their hand and, like, the blood splatters pink. I just... I don't like it. 
Um, I think the teaser trailer was a lot better. And they even have, like, this kind of, like, digital promotion, I'll call it. Something I've been seeing on, like, their social media. And it's the girls in, like, a similar position. And they've got the same um, outfits on, but it's not black and white. You can see that there's Christmas lights that are actual Christmas lights. Nothing's tinged pink. And then Black Christmas is set in red. And... I just think it works better. Uh, this poster does not do do anything to sell this as a Christmas movie. So the alternative poster, I think, works a lot better. Anywho. Um, I love the tagline. Slay, girls. I like basic, like, sometimes. Yeah, sometimes I... longer ones can work, but, like, I like basic. No, and I like when they work with... Um... The theme of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no sequels, obviously. Doesn't really leave one open. Black Christmas has never really needed a sequel, so this continues that trend. Um, Sophia Tokalis, the director, she did a movie called Always Shine, which is like a fringe horror movie, um, that I really, that I did really like, and she also did one of the Into the Dark, the Blumhouse and Hulu's joint effort, um, movies. She did the New Year entry, which was New Year, New You. Last year's New Year entry. Yeah, last year's New Year entry, because this year's was... Not out yet, um, but it's coming out. Midnight Kiss. It's their first queer one. Um, and very much like this movie, one of us liked it and one of us didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, New Year, New You. And it was written by April Wolf. So again, female directed, female written. Uh, this is her first feature, uh, but she is a pretty well-known like figure in the horror community online. She's done a lot of like, um, she did like <laughs> horror criticism and like, <laughs> analysis and stuff for a long time um, yeah i followed her forever i was surprised when it was now she was a writer and had no idea she was the writer and then i was like god that name sounds familiar and then i like saw her like tagged in something and like you know i recognized her little avatar and i was like oh yeah she's like a f- i just thought she was a film critic and then i like saw it and i'm like holy shit she's writing black christmas like i totally didn't know mm-hmm. she wrote alongside sophia to call um and it's produced by jason blum who uh again we said like blum was the one who does the into the dark so like that's i think you know kind of how sophia got in on it um and i also just think you know he's a big name producer so it's important to bring up yeah and it's i think we've mentioned this on the show but he got like some shit some kind of shit for making like last a quick year. comment yeah. last year about I like it was on my way to disneyland yeah for the 30s trip yeah like oh i would hire um, we'd be open to hiring female directors. There just aren't really a lot. Yeah, that wasn't the best And thing we were like, well, like, that's not a direct quote, but it was something along the lines, it's very like... very close. Yeah. yeah, and... There just aren't any or something like that, yeah. And at that point, um, Chelsea Stardust was doing an Into the Dark film for him, and then obviously Sophia was working on another one, and right. then he kind of had to go back and say, like, oh, actually, I'm working, I'm currently working, and they're like, well, those aren't theatrical. Right. And so he kind of got called out for putting these... Yes, he was giving fem- these female directors opportunities on the TV show, but where was the theatrical? Well, yeah. here we go. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I, it's no secret that I really like Blumhouse. And, yeah, I mean, um, I'll co-sign I, that. Yeah, and I think that Jason is a, one of the more progressive, like, directors or uh, producers out there. And, like, I do enjoy that he's, like, trying to get people of color and um, women, like, voices out there. So I... I applaud him for that 
Um, and the score is Brooke and Will Blair, who are two brothers. They've done mostly, um, if you've ever seen any of Jeremy Solnier's movies, so Blue Ruin or Green Room, um, or even, like, Megan Blair did some stuff, like, from out of those, but uh, did Hold the Dark. Um, so they've, this is, like, definitely their kind of wheelhouse, like, you know, these horror movies. Like, I'd say, like, more like horror thrillers. All this, this does go into a little more of the supernatural. Um... The score didn't super stand out to me, though. So, I asked Brennan, because he also saw the film in a different theater, the sound in this film was really... The post on some of the voices was really weird and off-putting. Really, like, it was horribly distracting. A voiceover. It sounded like a voiceover, like, strict... Like, which they are. They were voiceovers. Right. But it but was only, it's... like, when the voices were off screen. Did yes. you notice that? Like, anytime it would cut to someone if someone else was talking off screen yeah. or away from it that. It sounded like it was yeah. meant to be a voiceover and not, you know, that person talking. We just couldn't see them. Uh, it was very distracting. Brennan said he didn't notice it. Um I so I'd be curious to see if that was like I don't know how that could just be our theater issue because like Ryan and I said it was only in certain parts of the film. Yeah, I mean I it'd have to be some sort of weird speaker issue. Yeah. But I guess it's possible. Yeah, it's possible, but it was the sound in general, including the I kept score. Noticing it with Carrie Ellis character in particular yeah. because since he was like the teacher there were a lot of scenes of like him speaking to the class in yeah. classroom shots and then also like later in the movie like i just noticed it a lot yeah i i the whole time i was watching it i just kept feeling like it looks off like the look of the film didn't look right and then it sounded off and i looked at ryan and i'm like this looks poorly made and in a way that I just wasn't expecting. Like, it felt like not conscious decisions. Huh. I don't think it ever... I mean, it felt low budget for sure. But I don't think it ever felt... The sound was way more noticeable to me than the way it looked. The thing I did notice about how it looked was... <laughs> I just thought their their actual house was super weird. And, like seemed like it didn't actually exist within the the setting of the story and like i just remember being like because she's supposed to be able to walk from there to the campus and i was like well there's no sim and maybe because there wasn't where they filmed this but there was no sense of environment there was no sense of i never felt like i was ever in one place yeah every location felt completely separate from one another including the outsides of the houses did not feel like they matched the inside of the houses. Yeah. No, that I noticed. But, like, so the the only time I actually felt like it was, like, now that you're pointing it out, yeah, it did feel like everywhere, like, we were on sets. Like, yeah. Like, in different sets. Yes. But I will say, like, the only time I thought, like, I didn't, when they're walking through the neighborhood, I was like, this okay. feels like a complete neighborhood. It does. Yeah. But that neighborhood feels like it doesn't exist. Oh, no. Near their totally fraternity agree. or sorority. Ter- not only their sorority, or the but college. that frat. Yeah. Both look like they're in, like, empty lots. Yeah. They look like they stand alone. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. So the neighborhood. But it could be how, because they did film this in New Zealand. Yeah. No. Or I'm New saying Zealand? It's... Was it New Zealand? Yeah. yeah. I'm saying it's probably because of where they shot it, but they a lot of places shoot in 
multiple states even. And there just should have been more things done to make it feel like we were in one place. Yeah. And that's just the things that kept popping out to me where I went like, you know, this just feels like not well made. Yeah, I mean, I can see that. I think it was rushed. Because they announced this movie and filmed it. And sure, that's a nicer way of saying yeah. it. Yeah, wasn't yeah. no put like together. Yeah, well. no, and I think that I, I'm sure there was a probably pretty tight time limit. Yeah, I, we were just like talking about it. Like when this was announced and then they announced it was this year, everyone was like, "Oh shit, that's like soon." And yeah. like we know filming started like this to point. So like they, it was a. It was I a think it was announced job. in yeah. June, and then they finished filming in like August. And then here it is, done in four months. Yeah. I I mean, I think you can tell. No, I, I, I yeah. agree with you. Yeah, totally. Um, so it stars our final girl, um, like our main character, although there are a couple final girls. Um, but our main character is Imogen Poots as Riley Stone, who B and I both adore. She is in a ton of movies that we love, um, and like mostly the Fright Night remake, which we both really like. And then also she was in Green Room. Um, she, I mean, she's been in a ton of stuff. Yeah. Um, but she's definitely like in the horror, like she's done a lot of horror stuff for yeah. sure. I would consider her, like, I wasn't surprised when I saw she was announced. I would consider her a genre actress. Yeah, 28 Weeks Later, Green Room, um, Fright Night, I Kill Giants. Yeah, she's, and then she's in stuff like Popstar Never Stopping and and Never Stop Never Stopping and That Awkward Moment and A Long Way Down. Yeah, she's she's great. Um, And then the rest of the cast is, other than Carrie Ellis, who pops in as Professor (sighs) Gelson. He's still so gorgeous. Um, He's so, like, over the top in this and i think it's on purpose and i love oh it. yeah it felt that felt very yeah decisive and conscious decision yeah. um but everyone else is kind of he's giving the most like hoity-toity hoity-toity yeah. harvity accent oh big time yeah and yeah. it just like warms my soul i uh, love him elise shannon plays um one of her <clears throat> sisters uh, she's from charmed right yeah yeah so that's chris presley she's from those charmed tv show um, we also have Lily Donahue playing another sister, Marty. Um, she is, and she popped into the, like Grey's Anatomy. Um, she was in that like Dirty John. I never saw that, but it got a lot of like critical acclaim. Oh, because uh, um, Connie Britton, right? Yeah, yeah that my yeah. girl. And then she's like popped into like TV shows here and there. And then the other like big sister, like there's four sisters that have focuses on mostly. Yeah, uh, Brittany O'Grady. Yeah, and it looks like she's she's in Star. She's a model, too, yeah. Oh, man. But, yeah, a lot of these are television actresses, um, which is cool. I like, you know, that's always, like, fun to see. Um, And then our main male, like, lead, Landon, is Caleb Eberhardt. Eberhardt. Um, He is known for that show Happy. Um, He popped up in The Defenders from Netflix. Um, He's in that new movie, The Post. Um, but mostly, like, bit roles, too. So, like, a lot of these people, this is, like, their first, like, major feature role. He's so, like, 2019 hot. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck that means. You do, too, know what that means. Like, what's his like, face? Noah Centino or whatever? No, I, no, he'd be pot at any time. I mean, true. like, his look is very now and like what's in right now Ed, like this guy is just lucky that he's the age at this time that he's acting 
because 10 years ago, a guy who that looked like him wouldn't have been, like, the hot lead right. guy. But him being, like, a tall, lanky, like, you know, uh, race is kind of, like, you're not quite sure. It's, like, a little bit mysterious. You know he's not white, but he's something. And he's got the curly hair and the glasses and all of these people dressed like the most garbage hipster people in the I world. I will say, whoever did the costume in this is on point, though, because that's exactly what... Yeah, 2019 hot. Yeah, uh, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Madeline Adams pops in as... Helena, and she's another just like TV actor. Power Rangers was her main, her main. The TV name. show? Yeah, the newest, one of the newer ones. Beast Morphers. That's what they're doing <laughs> now. I don't oh know. shit! Yeah, I can't keep track of Power Beast Rangers. Beast Morphers. There's that's been so nasty. Many. Um, it is a supernatural. I know. Didn't see yeah. that coming. Supernatural slasher film. Um, in a, like a sorority college slasher. Um, Slash it, cult. Yeah, but it does. That that is so. B even said to me afterwards. She's like, I don't know. Always call Black Christmas, and I was like, I get it, like a little bit because like the college stuff, and it is like you know even the original Black Christmas was about women, females' rights, mm-hmm. uh, but also like this definitely leans heavily on the like black magic aspect of things, and like mm-hmm. I think it is like a a wink and a nod, like Black Christmas, you know, like because it goes full tilt, fucking kooky, like supernatural at the end. Uh, which I, I will say at least they don't, you don't get that from the trailer. Like they kept that under wraps pretty good. Yeah, I was really pissed when I saw the trailer because I was like, and that was my exact sentiments. I was like, well, they probably didn't, but I'm gonna be real bummed if they gave it away, and they kind of do. Yeah. But they save like one of the big twists for the end. Yeah. Um, the killers are all of Alpha Kappa Omega, which is the main fraternity. Um, we find out that our, our lead Riley, uh, was, I mean, this movie is a hundred percent a very female forward. It is a, a message on the Me Too movement. It's a message on rape culture. Um, and it's, there, it, there is nothing subtle about it. It is very in your face about it. And the whole thing is Brian Huntley was the president of this fraternity. Um, and he, he raped her. He date raped her. And she accused him, and no one believed her. Um, and so she is, like, dealing with that and, like, trying to kind of find herself again and find her inner strength. Um, but it's about, like, so he is one of the main figures from Alpha Kappa Omega, but it really is just about the entire fraternity and, like, their culture of um, kind of just... Uh, they definitely think of women in a lesser light. <laughs> Um, yeah, and so Professor Gelson is, like, a former member, a former president. Right. Um, and so like he's still... paintings on the wall. Yeah, yeah, he's still involved with the fraternity, and so he's also, like, with Brian, like, one of, like, the leaders of... Yeah. ...what's now turned into a cult, which... Yeah. He just rolled her eyes for everyone who, you know can't see it which is all of you because we're audio format no iconic weapons i'd say the closest they use a bow and arrow a lot more than i thought they would yeah yeah like which was an interesting choice um so the costume is they wear their fraternity robes Mm -hmm. um which typically i think are only worn in the fraternity um environment when it's like a ceremony not just pledging but any kind of like official right fraternity business you'd wear like your robe so that's what they're wearing and then they also are all wearing masks like black masks yeah yeah um 
and so you can't you can't recognize which fraternity brother it right. is. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of kills in it because there's kind of there's a scene near the end of the movie where just like a massive amount of people are dying. Not massive, but like at least probably a dozen ish, and they're yeah. all like unnamed characters. Um, but there are six main kills in the movie. Um, it starts off, uh, I mean, we start the movie off with meeting, um, a sister from, like, another, for, uh, another sorority, um, and, like, we know that, like, it sets it all up, you know, it's Christmas break, um, she decides to go home and pack, because she's going home, or she decides to go back to her place and pack, she's not going to the house, like, the sorority house, um, so she calls her sisters and, like, tells her that she's on her way to pack, because she's going home for the holidays, um and you know this guy's like she gets a weird message and i like they called it it's basically it's supposed to be like whatsapp but it's called yip yap what's whatsapp whatsapp it's that app for messaging that people use because there's no encoding on it so like no one can trace it i didn't know that existed it's also international so like it's how it's like how i can talk to kieran is like because it's international so gotcha yeah um but it's called yip yap in this and Mm. she gets a message from i thought it was supposed to be like a snapchat thing no i don't think so because i didn't like some pictures no that makes more sense um i'm not we've discovered after watching this movie i'm older than i think i am yeah I mean, I am too. I'm just, and B is learning. I'm just surrounded by 22-year-olds all the time. And so I was like, oh, I, I, I actually kind of get this a little more. Uh, but Lindy is, she gets an, a message from Hawthorne, like the guy from the What college. did you just call her? Lindy? Lindsay? My name is Lindsay. Lindsay. Sorry. You wrote Lindy. I'm just reading your notes. I did not write Lindy. Oh. Lindsay is gets a message from uh, Calvin Hawthorne, and it's a picture of his bus. It's super weird and, and creepy. <laughs> and um, he's like, what does a sorority sister and a pig have in common? And he said they both squeal when they get, like, stabbed Yeah, when they die. Um, and there's a guy behind her, and she turns around, and he's not it. But then she ends up getting chased by one of the robed figures and getting killed. And B pointed this out. It's interesting. She gets killed in a way that was in the marketing for Black Xmas, but not in the actual movie, mm-hmm. which we found out when we covered that movie. Um, which is where she creates kind of like a snow angel figure on the ground. Yeah, so if you listen to our Black Xmas episode, I'll like refresh for those that didn't. Uh, the Weinsteins, Bob felt, Weinstein in particular, felt that um, the movie needed different marketing and they filmed scenes to market the film that were with different actors uh, were not scenes that actually take place in the movie, um, and they used it to promote it. And one of those kills is like an ice kill, like out on the ice. Mm-hmm. And when they um, kill her, uh, she makes a snow angel and is dragged off, um, which is a very like visually effective kill. So it makes sense. Like I wonder if they even consciously made that knew that. Because that's kind of like a weird bit of trivia, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but if not, I mean, it looked nice. It does. It was. They're it was making like, the snow angel. Yeah. And, then, and you know, I always love theme kills. Yeah. And like these things. Um, so then we spend the next, we spend a while like meeting our characters and kind of establishing what's going on in this universe and like with these characters. Um, so we meet, you know, numerous sisters from, what is the, their story? I'll pull it up. down, but... Um, you know, we meet... MKE, whatever that stands for. Yeah, we meet our main sisters. We meet Riley, Chris, um, 
Marty, Jesse, we meet Helena, we find out that's Riley's, like, you know, little sister in the sorority system. Um, we meet her roommate, Franny. Um, again, we get the setup that, like, lots of people are going home. They're all staying for the holidays, um, and they are going, you know, her friend, um, Chris is very, very, like, progressive and, like, very, um, you know, she is very active, um, with that, so she, like, we found out that she did run, like, uh, what am I missing? What is the word? I'm running, I'm, I can't think of. You signed the paper. Petition. Thank you. Welcome. She had a petition to get the bust of Calvin um, Hawthorne removed because he was a racist. Um, and so they, like, removed that bust, which becomes integral to the pot line later. Um, and they put it back, like, instead of being at the front of the school or, like, in the office, it's now in the, in the main um, fraternity house. We find out that she's trying to get Gelson kicked off because she Mu claims... Kappa Epsilon. Okay. That's our sorority. What is it? Mu. Mu Kappa Epsilon. Okay. <laughs> um, we find out she's trying to get Gel- Gelson, like, kind of kicked out of <clears throat> the curriculum because he only features white male writers. Yeah, his class is classic literature. Yeah, and he has no women, no queer, no anything else. It's literally mm-hmm. all white men. Um, and, like, there's this whole thing where he, like, we meet him and he's talking about, like, just, he's, like, kind of breaking down gender and it's very, um, I don't know, mansplaining. <laughs> um, well, I don't know if I'd call it mansplaining. What he's doing is he's trying to make a point that you can He's trying to justify why he does it. Right, he yeah. is, and the yeah. and how he's doing that is by trying to say, "Look, you can't," which I think is kind of important to the plot later. Right. I, I mean, I thought it was a clue. Um, you cannot judge a person's view on gender based on their own gender. Is essentially right. what he was saying. And he even like tries. He like they read something, and he he's like trying to point out. He's like, "Oh, look, like you you can't assume gender through this. Yeah, like through this the someone's perspective. Perspective. Yeah." yeah. Um, yeah, so we're just, like, figuring all this out. And, you know, we find out that they're, so, Riley has helped her sisters. They're going, they're doing a talent show at the fraternity, um, and she, like, has choreographed it. Um, but she's not going to perform because she still is, like, very much kind of keeps to herself and, like, doesn't like to put herself out there like that. Um, but she finds her sister, her little sister Helena that night, like, basically being assaulted, um, and she is drunk, and so she sends her home. Um, what is? Where are we here? Yeah, she sends her home. She sends her home, and then she performs, and the, like it's a they do. It, at first, it seems like they're going to do like kind of this like Mean Girl, Sexy Hannah act, uh-huh. and the whole all the lyrics have been changed to very much calling out again, calling out rape culture and calling out like the fraternity in particular, like that fraternity. Um, for the way they've done it and um, it goes viral and they like go off to party and yeah and Helena's home and um, there is somebody she's like super drunk and there's somebody in the house and we don't see anything that happens but we are led to believe that she has died right um and then yeah from there we go to everyone's pretty much gone um, and, but, like, they have started to notice that, like, because, like, someone brings up, they're like, oh, yeah, someone hasn't heard from Lindsay yet, um, and then, you know, f- 
like they also don't know where Helena is, but like they think that she's just um, like has well, Helena's gone. mom calls and says she hasn't made her. She hasn't. She's late. She right. was supposed to be here. Um, she wasn't on the train. She's like two hours late. Right, and this is while they're looking for a Christmas tree. Um, and while, at the same time, while they're looking for the Christmas tree, Franny stays behind, and she's also supposed to be leaving. And that's when we get the whole Franny Exorcist 3. So she's searching around the house for their cat, Claudette, which is a reference to Claude from the original Black Christmas. Um, and this is, like, she starts to hear, she hears something, and this is a direct Exorcist 3 homage. Like I thought she, it was Exorcist 2. Exorcist 3. Exorcist 2 is the one with Linda Blair as an older woman. Exorcist 3 is the one with, like, the, the police. It's really good. Uh, but it's a direct homage to it. She walks into a room comes out and like the way it's framed and everything uh, the hooded killer comes out and grabs her with um christmas lights and like pulls her off screen um and we find out that she is dead um and then once they get back to the house like riley has a bad feeling and like she decides that she's going to go look um for helena and she like just feels like she goes to the frat house because she just like has a bad feeling about things um and then yeah once she gets there like she's calling helena's phone and she thinks she can hear it and she runs into professor gelson and he's acting super skeevy and weird and he's like telling her how the video went viral and like he thinks that's not okay and how like he's probably gonna get kicked off the curriculum because of her friend um and she gets all tripped out and she's like i'm gonna go back to the house like because he invites her inside and he's like they're all gone on a snowboarding trip um but like they asked me to come by and maintain the house and she's like yeah i'm gonna go back to the house um because they're hosting this thing called orphans dinner where all the kids who don't go home for the weekend they kind of like hosted a thing for them um so she goes back i'm trying to remember who the hell this character is oh i remember now so she goes back and it's the four main sisters and then also what's her face it's marty's boyfriend nate yeah um, so he was part of the fraternity, um, and because he was, I mean, dating um, Marty, and I mean, we don't really know, but we're led to believe that he just thinks of, has learned that he doesn't want to be associated with them, and when they do their whole performance, he literally has a bag and, like, leaves. Yeah. Um, and so we're led to believe that he has left the fraternity and that's why he's like with the girls yeah um so they're setting up for like basically a christmas dinner they're like cooking ham they're setting up the tree they're decorating the house and um like the other girls are kind of just like riley's kind of freaking out at this point she's like i can't find helena like um i don't like franny was supposed to leave too the cops but don't she, listen to me yeah the cops won't listen to me um because she called and tried to report her um and they she just, went in oh yeah she yeah. goes in um and she's and then she's like and Lindsay's missing from the other house so like something weird is wrong like something weird is happening and something's going going on so um they kind of she gets into a fight with chris because it, it turns into this whole thing about like how chris's agenda and like riley like maybe not being wanting to be a part of that and like wanting to deal with things on her own instead of being pushed into them and that's when our character um, Jess like goes up. She's like, "I'm gonna go find the Christmas lights because your guys', guys are fighting. fighting. Yeah, yeah, like bumps me out." Um, and I thought this scene was cool because she goes in this like creepy ass storage unit and she's like looking through a box and she finds the Christmas lights and she's like plugging them in 
and like each strand she finds she's like they're not working and they i thought they did a good setup where like i mean we knew it was coming but like she finally plugs him in the right next to her as one of the killers yeah they did like one more time than you'd be like used to she plugs it in it doesn't work she plugs it in again it doesn't work um so I think they did it like three times yeah. instead of on the second time. Yeah. So you're like, oh, okay, so it didn't happen. They like made you like wait a little bit longer for it. Was it? So was her, did she get glass to the face or was it an axe? Because the editing. It's a glass of, shard. It is a glass it's shard. It looks like it was obviously cut and we were supposed to see more, but it was definitely a glass shard. Yeah. So this movie was originally rated R yeah. and it was cut down to a PG-13 because um it didn't screen as well like in test audiences and also i do know that like sophia and april both were hoping to appeal to a wider market for younger women um which is one of the reasons it was edited down too um so at this point like the girls like are full-blown like fighting um but then and like um nate starts acting really weird and and like he gets like a really bad (laughs) migraine and then he like calls marty out and like says (coughs) says <coughs> that the like you know like how the girls act like treat him like he's like a creep and a rapist because like all the like the other frat guys are and he like goes off on this big tangent which is very unlike his character up until then because the whole time he's very supporting he like mm-hmm. records their performance yeah um he like helps them to get the christmas tree and then like marty gets hella mad and she throws him out and they're like fighting in the hallway and then all of a sudden like marty gets shot in the leg with an arrow and that's when we finally like full-on see um that the like the one of these robed figures is in their house um so they're kind of forced into like taking action pretty quick they all drop their phones because they have to like they have them out and that but they have to pick marty up and carry her up the stairs so they drop their phones they go hide in this closet and um chris has to like apply pressure to marty because she's basically bleeding out and Riley is sent down to try to find one of the phones so that they can call the cops. Um, so while she's downstairs, the Nate comes back and he's like trying to apologize. And Riley's like, "Shut up! There's yeah. somebody in the house. She's There's like, somebody in the house. Shut up! There's someone here." And he's like, and then he's like, "Wait, what? Someone's here!" And he like goes into like instant <laughs> defense mode and he picks up like a, <coughs> like a hatchet, I think. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Um, and he's like. He's like, who's out there? Like, come here. Like, come and get me. And he nobody does this to my girls. Yeah, nobody does this to my girls. And he gets shot in the face um, with an arrow. Um, and then, like, the killer again reveals himself. Um, and there's, like, this whole kind of, like, scuffle between him and Riley at this point, right? The The killer? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and this is also where... there's At this point, there's just, a, like, a lot of like up and down up and down fighting well because chris is looking for jess and she finds her um and i thought this was a there's a couple homages to the original in the in the movie uh this was one of them of the the very famous like girl in the chair in the attic um it's a weird cut though like it goes to almost see her face and it cuts and like again it's one of those things we can tell it was obviously filmed but they just cut it so it was probably too graphic or whatever whatever they needed to do to get it down to a PG-13. Um, so Chris is like, she's like, Jess is dead. And so she like kind of goes into like sp- speeding things up. Um, and they're, they're attacked in the living room and Marty has the hatchet 
and she attacks one of the killers, and he... Well, yeah, and Riley has killed one of them. With keys, with right? Keys, with yeah. Nate's keys, yeah. So that, and that's like, as women, something that we're taught is to put our keys... I mean, I'm assuming you weren't taught that. Yeah. So you're taught to put... Yeah. yeah. Your keys, when you're walking to your car, um, in between your hands to sort of make a weapon so that if you're attacked while going to your car, um, you can use that. And so I know that was an intentional thing because it's a very, very common... Th- I mean, I'd even, I'm pretty sure I learned that, like when I was a kid um and when I started driving it's like yep so now you have keys you can use them as a weapon yeah and there's this whole scene where like we're led to believe that Marty got a hold of the phone to call the cops and because we see the security guard and he gets a call that there was a call for the police and so he rushes to a house and it's the house from earlier that Lindsay was from and they're also being attacked by masked killers yeah he opens the door and like a girl's like on top of one of the masked guys and she's like, finally, like, you're here. And you can tell, like, they were kind of winning. And then the cop gets shot in the back of the head. Yeah. Um, and then we go back to the house and, like, Marty is dead in the doorway. Um, you know, they, like, Chris has revealed that um, Jess is dead. And they're, like, fighting their way out of the kitchen. One of the killers is up on the counter. They kill him. And, like, this is where Riley goes, like, they're, why aren't they bleeding? Because it's, like, black sludge instead mm-hmm. of, like, actual blood. Which, of course, they had, like, not so subtly um, set up earlier. She touches the black sledge on the doorknob. Then the cat has the sledge on them. It's, like, one of those, like, very large, like, instead of, like, pieces of breadcrumbs, it was, like, whole slices of the loaf were left behind. Uh, but they kill, they managed to kill the second guy in the house, which was cool because it's done in the Black Christmas way. Like, she, so... Instead of a woman being killed with a bag over her head, a plastic bag over her head, Riley kills one of the guys who's about to kill Chris by doing the same thing, like wrapping a, <laughs> a, a plastic bag over his head. Um, and they manage to escape. Um, well, yeah, and they, like, rip off his mask and realize um, it's one of the pledges. It's the pledge that she saw, like, getting initiated. And she's starting to put those pieces of bread together. So this is, like, headed towards the, like, climax of the movie. So Chris and Riley are, are, like, driving, and they're trying to decide what to do. Chris wants to go to the police, and Riley wants to fight. And, like, Riley gets mad at her because she's like, you've been pushing me this whole time to fight, and now you don't want to. You want to run. And so she makes her pull over, and she gets out of the car, and she starts walking to the frat house. Chris is driving to the police when she sees the police, the security car outside of the uh, outside of the other sorority house. And the sisters show up, and, like, there's, like, five of them, four or five mm-hmm. of them that are still alive who have fought their way out. And, like, as they're leaving, one of them shows up behind the car with a bow and arrow, and Chris, like, they're like, let's go, let's get out of here. And Chris puts in a reverse, which, like, obviously shows us that she has decided it's time for her to fight as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Riley runs into her love interest. Um, like Landon. Adam, Landon on the way. Um, the 2019 Hawkeye. Yeah, who he was at the, like, he was the DJ for the um, talent show, and he left after their bit because he was like, I don't want to hang out with those guys anyways. And well, he, like, he was on Riley. trying to get with Riley. Yeah, and so she runs into him, and he's like, how can I help? And she's like, do you actually want to help? And he does, so he goes to the frat house, and he's like, he's supposed to like kind of make a ruckus so she can sneak into the room she has seen this room where they keep the bust of calvin hawthorne 
So she is like convinced because there was that weird black sludge on that on that thing on the bus. So she's convinced some it all has to do with this somehow, which she's right. <laughs> and so he goes in and makes a kerfuffle, and they confront him. And um, this is where we see that they have some sort of like mind control over men, pretty much, mm-hmm. like where they tap into your alpha, uh-huh. um, and. They like primal instincts, and they make it. We're gonna so, come back to that because I have some problems with that. Um, but they make it so they basically become like kind of mindless, um, and like to the point where they're basically their thought process is women are beneath us. <laughs> like we need to keep them sub. We need to be the dominant gender. Yeah. Um, Riley breaks in, um, and of course we get like the big reveal which we all saw coming that Carrie Elwes is like the president of this thing like he's running the whole deal and that's where we get like the main exposition that they're a cult yeah we get our Scooby-Doo explanation yeah that this bus once they put it in the house they realize like it has like once it got back into the house that was formed by Hawthorne we find out he was like a major occultist and he like has this there's this weird black very like hands made tale esque like there's We've come too far as a society, and this is, like, the roles, the gender roles we play, um, and that we need to get back to those. Mm-hmm. And I I didn't re- make this, like, connection. I saw it on Twitter, and I laughed. Um, I just thought it was kind of funny because he was mentioning that they stumbled upon this black magic because they just read some writing that was on the bust, and then it, the eyes of the um, guy started bleeding bleeding and somebody was like i mean we saw the display that it was in the middle of the hall you're telling me that no dumbass just read what it said i mean that's, that's funny of, yeah. but then you can play in the point that like probably because it was inside the house right and that's like yeah because he does point out like because like <coughs> hawthorne was the original president yeah. of this fraternity yeah yeah um and he was like this major no, cultist so. <laughs> that's a good point i did think that was funny though yeah no because that's true it was sitting out in the yeah in the main hall so we're just gonna pretend nobody office. ever yeah. read that out loud yeah um and like you know we find out that their plan is to start literally taking this like wall street and politics and like the all this stuff and they're they're going to give women the option they can be they can be part of the solution and be subordinate, or they can basically die. And we find out that Helena, who we thought may have died, is actually seeing one of the frat uh, boys. The like, one that she was faux saved from, yeah. from Riley, <laughs> yeah. is actually her boyfriend. Because they needed to use her to get <coughs> one artifact from each of the women, which I think that was weird. I was yes. like, you could have done that yourself, like any of you. Like, the artifacts aren't, like, super... Also, she's the only girlfriend, so what about all the other sorority sisters? They yeah. said it, hap- it was happening to every sorority house, so Helena's just knocking on every sorority and being like, yeah, I need your Yeah, home. it was kind of a I that need was your a weird diva bit. cup. <laughs> you have the diva cup. Um, but, yeah, so she's like, it's just better this way. Like, this is the way it should be. Um... And then they're telling Riley to, you know, obey. And they're like, you're going to bow or face the consequences. Um, or, and, like, we'll show you how much power we have. And so to show her, they kill Helena. Yeah. Um, they break her neck. And then, um, you know, Riley ends up fighting against them. And right when she's about to get pretty much, like, knocked out and probably die, the other sisters show up. And there's this a huge and ensuing fight scene. Um 
and like ultimately basically what happens is um she breaks the bust um you know um landon comes out of his little mind trance so he is also able to help them uh chris lights gildan on fire and there's like um you know there's a couple like some of the sisters die a lot of the brothers die and they mostly trap the brothers in the room while it's on fire and exit the house and that's how the movie ends and um so uh our final girl uh riley b what do you think I think that she's okay. Um, I think it's a little, so it's it's interesting. It's like slight parallel with our film from last week because we have two final girls that are um, rape survivors. Uh-huh. And I think they're, how they recover it from it, I think game over treated it better than this film did Mm -hmm. i find it a little problematic not a little i actually find it really problematic that in this story um riley is very much still you know broken right and it's been three years and it's just pointed out over and over and over she still has a lot of trauma she hasn't dealt with it she's ignored it and the solution to her overcoming it and figuring out how to fight is another extremely traumatic situation. A, a acts of violence from other acts of violence from men that force her to overcome her trauma. I think that's really problematic and often the sort of rape survival story that gets told about women is that um bad things have to continue to happen to them for them to become a fighter um and that they need these things to happen to them or else they won't ever get over it so i i find it a little troubling that this is like oh this was her solution like isn't it good that all of her sorority sisters started to get killed and her life was threatened because that's what gave her the courage right. to overcome her rape it's like no don't like that. Um, yeah, I think again, like it's something where they started the process off right because she at first she says she's able to find the courage to do the Santa song, mm-hmm. which I think is the a good step because the, like unlike what you're saying, that's not requiring her to undergo further trauma. She finds that inner strength, but then to actually get to the point where she is like a fighter again, she has to literally like witness people getting murdered in front of and her. her life has to be at risk right. at the hand of a man yeah. again um so it's it's just not handled in the best way yeah. um i think <clears throat> i think a thing that helps is imogen is such a good actress because mm-hmm. i think in a weaker actress's hands this could have been bad <laughs> yeah yeah um, but yeah, she... I know she's a great actress. She also, and this is like such a superficial thing, but I really want to know because I'm, I don't know. We haven't talked about it, but I asked Brennan about it. Excuse me. <laughs> um, she had a really weird walk the whole movie. Did you notice that? No. Okay. Why would I notice that? Oh, Brennan noticed it. I was like. What? Yes. What a weird role. I, it was really caveman like, and I want to know. <laughs> what, what? 
fuck? No, it's okay. When I noticed, just, like, maybe when she's all broken. In no, the no, no. Beforehand, that, really? it kept okay. bugging me. I'm like, why is she walking? Why don't you point this shit out to me while we're watching the movie? So I, I can know. be like, okay, she is our walking seats like a were demon. really far away from each other, and I basically had to, like, crawl into your lap to talk to you. <laughs> And so I tried not to do it too many times. Oh my god! But Um, when you rewatch it, it looked like her jeans were like super starched and like stiff. And so, yeah, and so maybe she couldn't bend her legs very well. (laughs) This like a really weird thing, but I definitely noticed it, and I was not alone. Um, (laughs) interesting. Yeah, I I think she. I think. um, (coughs) Yeah. I think again. Okay, is yeah her as a final girl. Right. There was nothing. I think the way she was written was a little problematic. I, I think, think it's the performance very... from Emojin was elevated yes. the character for right. sure. Um, I th- exactly what you said. I think if it was in the hands of a less experienced actress, um, it that whole entire role would have fallen apart. Right. But she's extremely believable and definitely held that character together mm-hmm. uh favorite kill um well it's hard because we don't really see any of the kills right i know i was thinking um, that because i think mine is the exorcist three homage because i think that sh- is one of the best shots in the entire movie but like we definitely don't see the kill well also it's like it's a best shot in the movie, but it's literally set up exactly like yeah, another film shot. I know, and I love that. But like, but I also like the snow angel kill. Yeah, so the initial kill, I mean, if you guys have been listening to the show, that tends to be like one of my favorites because I love how it set it up. I mean, that's going to be my favorite kill. Right. Um, and this, that kill and pretty much the movie until like the Christmas tree hunting kind of like it really felt Black Christmas. It felt like we were in line with right. the the way a Black Christmas movie in the past to have been set up. Um, so I enjoyed that about the first one. Gotcha. No, it makes sense. I think I gotta go with just I really enjoyed the Exorcist three. Yeah. And I get I, I mean I get the criticism too, but I just liked it. Yeah, no, I did too. Um, okay. So I also like the use of the lights. Yeah, yes. Any any themed mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, position the horror landscape. It's too new. Um, people are, like we said, leaning towards it being the better remake. B and I actually really enjoy the remake. Um, and we are but that in... one is still, like, really negatively seen. It seems to be getting a little bit better. Yeah, I've definitely seen some more positive intent um, for it since this one has come out. This movie is also incredibly divisive. Yeah. Um, and, like, B and I feel very differently about it. Yeah. Um... It's going to be one of our... I don't know. It's so... I like the movie, and I don't love it. Um, I do like it. I think it has... It's. I do think there's glimmers of like good things in there. Um, B and I were talking about it, because there's a lot of problems like we both had with it. Um, like Tonally, it's odd, because it does feel like... Because like B even said, like sometimes the characters just like the way they, the way they talk, and like doesn't fit the tone of the movie which i agree like because there would be parts where they're talking very seriously about like these very serious issues like like rape culture and things like that but then they are also having like these very like sparring conversations about like what's your favorite animal and like 
or just like back and forth like it was almost like very like like very snappy um which feels like it would fit something in like jennifer's body more or um satanic panic which actually kind of lines up with where this movie ends up going with the whole weird cult thing Mm -hmm. but it never tonally shifts into that supernatural it plays everything very real because obviously the message they're trying to get across is, is this is real is very real right so yeah i don't so b um pointed out a review to me she actually was like she sent me a review and she's like i actually agree with this a lot like this is a really good take and i look and i was like of course it's fucking matt's so matt donato um who is a friend of mine and um who him and i have gotten to quite a few conversations about different takes on movies i was like of course this would be the person you'd pick and i was like don't tell him um but i did tell like i did tell him i was like we're probably gonna mention you uh it's very well written and like i read the entire thing and Mm -hmm. i like that's the thing is like matt's argument is matt's argument completely lines up with what you told me so if you can go read it um where did he post? He writes for we got this covered. Website. We got this covered. So that's Matt's, um, and it's lengthy. This is a lengthy review. And I think a lot of the things that Matt touches on are tr- very true. Um, but I also do think that, I don't know, it's just, it's hard for me sometimes, like, because uh, I do agree with Rob a lot too, like Rob Hunter, when he says, you know, like, good message in a bad movie, like, I think this is a great message. I think um, it's a great message. I think it's a bad movie. Uh, I really do. And I think the message, so... Overshadows the movie. It overshadows the movie for sure, but it also, like, the way they present the message in the movie hurts its message, if that makes sense. So one of the parts that I really think, if, and it all comes down to tone, because they were trying to be a serious, like, holy fucking shit, look at the stuff that happens to women all the time. This is fucked up. And, like, this is a slasher movie, but this is also real life. They never committed to that. They committed to that, and then they went, like, supernatural, bonkers, crazy. Um, And so then it made all of those really serious moments feel weird. Um, And then vice versa. Then when we get to the second half you felt like those moments were like strange and off-putting and you didn't quite know where to where to play. I think some of the decisions that they made like the fact that are any man can be taken over by this fraternity and turned like their alpha comes out and they'll just be like a sheep um being led and cause harm and damage to women. I feel like that storyline would have worked so much better if they would have went, like, balls to the walls. Like, this is, like, supernatural, fucked up, like, um, exaggeration of reality. Like, mm-hmm. yes, this stuff is real, but we're going to make it, like, quirky. Mm-hmm. Um, which it felt like at times they were trying to do. Like, the end scene is, like full-blown like horror comedy yeah it's like it's like it, full chaos and, yeah like, just chaos and they're yeah, all like burning stuff there's fire and it's very serious like, about it whatsoever yeah. but when you have all those serious moments i think it's really damaging to your message to <clears throat> say that 
And I think that's why a lot of men, because even I was like offended by it, I'm not a man, to say that even this guy who has done shown nothing, two of our male characters have shown nothing but support to these women. Like, well, if they join a fraternity and they join these guys, like in every man is an abuser, right? So that's like kind of the message that comes out of that is this alpha that is going to be domineering over women. Doesn't matter how they behave. At some point, they could flip a switch. And I get it. I get that message. But I also think that's like a dangerous thing to say too. Um, because guess what? I as I have to trust some men. Like that is the reality is that there are a lot of men who are going to do bad things. And that happens all the time. And they all, all men are automatically in a position of power over women. Right. That's just a reality. Right. But right. Um, we do still have to, I mean, I trust Ryan with my life. I also trust my husband. You know, there's people, there's men in your life who, like, you can't in the back of your mind go, they could flip a switch at any point. Right. I didn't love that in a serious tone. So I think that's why so much of the film doesn't quite work. Because it doesn't quite know. It knows its message. Mm-hmm. It knows what it wants to say, but it's trying to say it a hundred different ways. It's trying to say it with the cold. It's trying to say it with our outspoken sorority sister, down with the patriarchy. You got to fight. You can't be complacent. If you're complacent, you're one of them. They're trying to play all these angles with the, the Diva Cup conversation. Even that, having that film or that moment in a film is like super feminine, super shouting our message. Women bleed. We have periods. We have these things that we can use called diva cups that are not mainstream and well-known. And we talk about it, um, which is all true. All of these like very female forward messages. But the fucking pink on the poster, it's almost like hurting its message by saying like, is this feminine yeah all right put it in the movie is this like is this anti um is this anti-rape is this anti you know anything that could hurt women put it in the movie right it's like a soup i do think yeah so i think a lot of i think it gets a lot of things like almost right because like i said i think the message is great but like i agree with you know like I, you you and me and um, we had a discussion with uh, Amanda Presnick about this actually about the whole because she asked me at one point because of the website and stuff and like my message that I try to provide of like make horror happy but also being progressive and giving women a platform and all these people a platform like I think that's very important she asked me she's like isn't it hard for you sometimes like you know and she asked me this like isn't it hard sometimes as a man because like you guys are very much called out now for all these things that like men do and like you know like it is kind of an all men thing which i and i was like yeah that's i mean it it can be difficult like and so it is sometimes for me hard to watch a movie like this but i think the message is in the right place i don't think every here's the thing everything from well, i'm not saying the message isn't in the right place no, i'm just no. saying that it can especially if you're marketing a film towards young women because i've been in a position in my life where i was extremely distrustful of men 
um, because of prior experiences I had had. And if you're, you know, trying to like put this in the lens, like say I was 16 and very impressionable and very much learning about, you know, how to be a woman and how to trust to go on dates with men and, you know, if I'm straight and, and whatnot in those situations, which I was at the time, if I was getting a movie like this where you, I mean, that's legitimately like a message of this film. Yeah. And so that's the only one, all the other stuff, like it doesn't quite work because there's so much of it. Right. I agree with you. Like, I but think that's that where it falters. that specific one is like a little like, ooh. Like, that might not be the best thing to teach our young women, that any guy is, you know, right. could flip on you and with I don't, just like, a little that, bit of black magic. Right, and that's, like, the thing I almost feel like, I don't even think that's really what April and Sophia were going for. I think what they were actually going for is, and we talked about this after we watched it, was, <coughs> yes, all men, in the sense that men as a gender have that spot where we're just... How did, you just said it. Like, we're just put... Like, because of our gender, unfortunately, society puts us in a role that we haven't earned. We have a place of power that wasn't mm-hmm. earned necessarily. And I think that's what the message was gunning for, but I think it gets muddled because, like you said, it also tries to do a bunch of other messages. Yeah. And, like, I wish it had driven more messages stronger because I think the really... I think they're all important. Like, I really do. But I think the really important messages in this are, one, the... The fact that no one believed her, like, and then, like, two... Yeah, that was great. Yeah. Like and the, then she goes to the cops, and then they don't believe her again. Right. And it's completely unrelated. Yeah. It's related to the fact that she thinks one of her sorority sisters is missing. Right. And so she comes back, and she says, well, he didn't believe me that she was missing. Right. And I think that was a very powerful message, because about just women not being believed about yep. anything. Yes. That their opinions don't matter as much. Right. Great message. So, yeah. Like, and that was subtle. Yeah. And both. Not that the message needs to be subtle. I don't, right. I don't want that to come across. But in in that instance, it wasn't something that was, like, really hammered at you, like, over and over and over. It just happened twice. And you're like, oh, shit. Like, the that has, like, so much cause and effect in her story. Right. And so I think, like, those messages I wish were hammered home stronger. I wish they all were, but I wish they had picked, like, one central with a couple underlying and been able to hammer them all instead of kind of building them all halfway out. Um, Because that's where I feel like... And because, like you said, I even think... Because I do think that, like, it does... Because you see... Like, I think you, like... You see um, Landon and you see um, Nate. Nate both fight against the... The fraternity? The, well, the mind control. Oh, thing. yeah. Because, like, Nate comes back and he's like, I don't know what's happening. Like I had a migraine. Yeah, I had yeah. a migraine. And then we see Landon in the room, like, fighting and blinking. And, like, one of the guys is like, you okay, bro? And he's like, yeah. 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 And so then, we see them yeah. fighting it off. So I do think, like, their general message was not all men. It was, it was not like all men could, like, blah, blah, blah. But I think the, just, like... Everything from from set design to this was rushed. And so we get a lot of halves. We get a lot of halfway there. So we get a lot of like, this worked really well, and then this didn't. And this worked really well, and then this didn't. For, but like, and I think, 
I actually love... I think a better movie exists here. Absolutely. And I love... This is why I love Beast Perspective. And, like, I love... I, and, like, Beast Perspective to me matters more than mine. Because this is not a culture I have to exist in. It's an, it's something that I think is atrocious. Like, the things that do happen. Yeah. And I obviously want to do anything I can to change that. But, like, I am lucky that I have not had to deal with these things in my life. And so... Like, this is something, like... I have been not believed when I've been sexually harassed. Right. And so, like, this is in, like, obviously a lot of women, like, I think this movie resonates really well, and that's why I think it's important to get different perspectives. And, like, that's whether... So, like, on the... I don't plug the website a lot, but, like, on Ghastly Grinning, I decided to forego writing my own review for this movie because I was like, my perspective is not the one that needs to be heard right now. And so I asked a just call-out to female journalists and, like... I received, I think, six reviews, and the first two I've run have been very popular, like, or very positive, and the third one is more like yours. And that's why I, like, that's the thing is, like, I think it's important not to just, I think it is very, very important to champion this movie for what it was, which is a female-fronted, female-led cast crew that, with a good message. I think that's important to note. You don't have to say that the movie is a great movie made w- excellently to also notice that it has an important message that we should be championing, like championing more. The th- shitty thing about film is how it works is since this movie doesn't do as well, people are going to point to the message and be like, that's why it didn't work, which is not true. I well, think the just movie... like they said Charlie's Angels mm-hmm. bombed right? because... You know, it was a female directed and written. Right. And I don't think this movie didn't... I don't think that's what happened. I think, one, media, like, portrayed things in a certain way. And I think, two, like B said, like, I can even recognize it's not made the best. Like, and I think a better movie exists here. And I think, literally, the only difference is at the end of the day... I look at this and I and I go, oh, I think a movie exists here, and I like the message, so I like the movie. And B goes, I think a movie, a better movie exists here, and the message is good, but could have been better. So I don't like the movie. Like we're seeing the same movie, we just take away different things from it, and so I just think that's well, really interesting. Yeah, and I think because it is because I am a woman, because it is a film by made by women and about women, I. It almost makes me mad that for that exact reason, because we're constantly trying to fight in the film industry for opportunities. And when something like this happens, it's like, fuck. Right. Like, I don't know what happened behind the scenes, but the fact that this wasn't, you know, and who knows, that could have been because of, you know, male producers. Like, we right. really don't know. Yeah. Um, and, like, the crazy thing to me, too, like, what really, really sucks at the end of the day is it shouldn't matter if this movie didn't do well because, like, what's so scary and so sad is, like, this movie doesn't do well, so people start to go, well, maybe people don't want a female movie, but men put out shitty movies fucking 90% right. of the time. And no, that's no exactly. Instead, it yeah. should be like, I don't know if I want to watch, like, another Sophia Tacal movie. For me... That's how I feel. I didn't like her two last movies. So I'm right. like, yeah, so you, it's I'm like, probably not going to jump to go right. see her next movie. Does that mean that I don't want to see movies directed by women? No. Right. But is that unfortunately because there are so few female directors who get opportunities to make films? Right. That's what happens. Yeah. And I do think that's why no matter what, I think movies like this are important to see because the the thing, the, the, un, the unfortunate reality is... We should be able to approach this movie just like B said, and you and go, oh, I just, 
I don't really like her as a director because I do that all the time with movies. Mm-hmm. There are plenty of movies that I skip on because I don't really like the director and they have enough of a filmography that I can be like, you know what? I've seen like four of their movies. Don't really care for it. I can catch that later. The shitty thing is women put out like big movies maybe eight times a year compared to the 40, 50 movies that come out. Yeah. So like what we have to like what we have to do for now is advocate for people to still go see this movie so studios are still willing to take oh yeah like i'm so glad i went to the theaters and saw this opening weekend and put my money where my mouth is which is i want one i want horror movies i want slasher movies Mm -hmm. and i want movies directed and written by women and i want movies about women i want all of those things so i and i'm happy i did i mean because i'm showing that those are the type of movies I want. Guess what? Even the things we want aren't always the best. Mm-hmm. Am I? And like, I think that's that's what got me to click on um, Matt's article because he said the most disappointed I've ever been to like leave a bad review. And that's exactly how I felt. Like at first I left it, the theater. I'm like, yeah, I liked it. I didn't really love it. And I was literally saying that because I felt like so much pressure to like it. Right. And then like I let a whole day go by and I'm like, yeah, B texted me and she's like, I don't like it. I like, like the more really I think about don't it, like I don't it. like it. And I just found like I was forcing myself to like it because of the circumstances. I'm like, that's not that's yeah. not how I felt. I wanted to like it. Mm-hmm. And I was letting myself like be like, No, there was some things when really I was like, No, I actually have a lot of substantial like yeah. issues I'm taking with the film. Yeah. And I think I even end up like I wanted to love it and I just liked it. Yeah. I'm like, it's it like it's to me it's like will i watch it again absolutely is it going to be like part like something i throw in my yearly rotation or like make tradition probably not um but am i going to watch it again yes so um at the end of every episode we rank the movies and i mean this is just one of the most divided b and i have ever been about Mm -hmm. a movie so i wanted to really get into that but we do rank movies you know on how they work as a slasher overall so it's not what like a lot of the stuff we talked about obviously plays into it because it is like into the story's cohesiveness and everything but also like you know this approach is a little different because even though there are movies that we love that end up near the bottom of the list like happy death day to you because it's just not really a slasher movie um so the top of our list is still my bloody valentine followed up by i do want to point out black christmas the original 1974 and then the end of the bottom of our list is number uh 52 april fool's day um girl signed out and cry wolf right above it as a slasher movie right so this movie works i think okay yeah it's definitely not a slasher as much as either of the first ones um i think there's some good cat and mouse stuff yeah we get the slasher in the first the first mm. five minutes and then the last before the <laughs> no not the last no no not the I, the last the the first part of the last half of the movie like where the the everything in their house is slasher yeah. everything outside is supernatural yeah. wonkiness yeah. yeah whatever is going on with mm-hmm. alpha kappa newbie muley yeah and so that's so like looking at that like. Well, and then there's famous tropes we look at. So right. we're, we're always looking at um, the killer or mm-hmm. killers in this case. You know, how slasher-esque are they? Like, do they have a costume? Do they have themed kills, right. weapons, all that? Like, how slasher-esque are they? Um, we look at our final girl, her mm-hmm. story arc, how good that is. Uh-huh. Um, 
if, you know, she overcomes whatever she's supposed to overcome and beats the bad guy. Um, We're looking at slasher tropes. So big ones that we often touch up on are um, family connection, um, flash forwards. Mm -hmm. We have something traumatic happen that we see on screen and then we flash forward 5, 10, 20 years and then we the outcomes of that scene are right. what dictate our slasher um those are some like the big tropes that we kind of go over that that are part of the blueprint i mean mm-hmm. if you think my bloody valentine and how that movie works that's really like the blueprint of a slasher right. um do we have um a cast of likable characters how likable are they um you know how interesting are the kills are they themed um, are they, um, are they going, are they slasher kills? Right, are they yeah. set up uniquely? Are there after kill shots where if we see the kill and then the body set up another way, like all those, um, another big trope, my favorite is the bodies all set up, in set the up in the very end when we have our killer maniac reveal. Um, we get some of that here. Not very many of those classic tropes. We do get our maniac reveal um, by our big bad, so that does happen. Mm-hmm. We get a sort of we are, we are at least aware of traumatic past events. Yes. We do get the flashbacks rather than the flash forwards in this. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we do get mass killers, which is nice. We get a couple theme kills. Um, our final girl, again, I like we discussed earlier, is okay, not great, but. Imogen makes her, like B said, she elevates the role. Um, I'm look, I'm looking, where are you looking? Because I'm looking around like cut-ish. Oh, yeah, you're looking higher. I was thinking the 40s. That low? Uh-huh. You think that's worse than I still know what you did? As, As a, a slasher? slasher? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, like maybe just barely. Low. Just barely. It's like, like it's in the, the 40s. Yeah, so that's what I was thinking. Because the slasher's super wonky, too. It's a super wonky, supernatural slasher as well. Right, and also, but there's, I'd say there's less slasher elements in the Carpenter than this. Yeah, I think 40. Okay, I'm comfortable with that. Um, Yeah, so it is our new number 40. Um, So it is the lowest of the Black Christmases. Black Xmas lands at 18, which is actually higher than I thought it was, too. Oh, I just realized that what bumped it out, Urban Legends at 11, now it's out of our top 10. House and Sorority Row. Oh, yeah. Bumped it out. Great movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, still go out and support the movie. Yeah. Um, 100%. Like, I know. And, and, and also. Form your own opinion. Like, exactly. that's important. Like, that's the thing about me and B and Matt Donato and every other writer, all the, all the reviews I'm publishing, like. They're all your own opinion. And, like, I've seen a lot of, like, really glowing reviews from women. I've seen a lot of middling. Um, like, it's – it's. I just think it's important that movies like this keep getting made. So just go see the movie no matter what. And, and go see it because, like I said, I mean, just because I had problems with it and think the, the – it being poorly made, that's something that's not going to get – that's not going to get fixed by you seeing it. And it being, like, rushed, which is obvious, like, by watching it. But the enjoyment that you may or may not get out of the performances and the plot might overweigh that like it did for Ryan. Right. Exactly. And it did for exactly. Me. Yes. So, 
yeah, go see it no matter what. Um, and just, you know, always, always support horror and, and, and slashers, especially, and female-fronted everything, because we just need more of these voices. It's very important, um, because... That's, yeah, like that know. is something I noticed. Like someone, what, someone was championing the movie on Twitter, and like some, of course, some dude bro had to be like, "There are plenty of movies that have female protagonists," and they were like, "Yeah, but never written by females." So we get all these female protagonists that are always from the male perspective. Yeah, I know. I don't know if I've ever. I don't think I've ever talked about it on the podcast. We'll talk about it just super quickly. But um, I went to film school um like film summer school when I was in high school I applied with like a short film I don't know if other schools do this but in eighth grade we had like an eighth grade project so it's like the big thing you have to do before you graduate eighth grade and I chose to make a movie because at the time I wanted to be a director um and I made a movie based off of a 17 article I read about the pass out game um and so I made a yeah I made a movie about a girl I like wrote it and filmed it and edited it about a girl who um got into the pass out game and died and her like sister discovers her in her bedroom anywho I submitted that um to California summer school for the arts and was accepted and I went for six weeks um and I went in as a 15 year old very convinced that I was going to be a director and I walked out going no I'm not um Mainly because I was told over and over that because I liked things like High School Musical and because I wanted to direct horror movies, which is already at the time I knew that's what I wanted to do, um, that I was a joke and was not to be taken seriously. And they were like, oh yeah, if B ever makes movies, she's going to be the one making like High School Musical 10. And I'm like, I'm okay with that. Like, they would, like, tell me that and be like, that's fine by me. I would love to do that. What are you talking about? Um, So, with that said, like, and guess what? I switched careers. I came back and was like, that's not for me. Like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to put myself through that. And I was 15, which is really, really sad that that is just what I was told. And guess what? All my professors were male. Um, I was one of like four girls in the program and I was also constantly told I only got accepted because they have to let girls in because it looks bad for their numbers so we were pity um pity additions so when you're told that all the time as a woman it's rough and so I'm like fuck anybody who manages to get a movie made like hell yes and good for you to just like keep fucking fighting and I just hope that it's gotten better I really do because these women who are directing are my age or older so obviously they not obviously but they most likely had similar experiences and discouraged to me I hope that that has shifted so that 15 year olds right now who want to get into film don't have the same experience that I did. Yep. Yeah. So go see the movie. It's important. It's yeah. literally very important. Like we always say it's important to support movies in general, but like these are the ones that it really, really matters. And that dollar goes a long way. Um, we'll be back in two weeks to do something. Yeah. We're looking at maybe Santa's sleigh. We both <laughs> like that movie. I need to rewatch it and see how slashery it is. Um, yeah, I can't remember. But we decided to probably <laughs> skip on Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 for now. We're going to have to round our way to it at some point. But, 
But I don't know. We'll see. And also, it's going to be our last show before New Year's, so maybe we'll have, like, a top ten or something. And then I would love to get with Brennan yeah, maybe like we did. Yeah, maybe Ryan will do something with Brennan. I only watched, like, two horror movies this year that weren't That's true. Slashers, so I can't participate. Yeah, but I watched Us. Yeah. So there we go. That's my favorite horror like movie of the year. That's, top anyway. So. That's great. Um, yeah, but until then, we will be back in two weeks. And keep screaming.